Jennifer Hendricks, J.L. Hendricks. Welcome to Behind the Fiction. Thank you, Stephen. It's good to see you again. It is a pleasure to have you here on the show. You have written a number of books in the past on your own. Is this your first collaborative effort? It's my first with Michael, but not my first collaboration. Okay. I've, so, uh, I collaborated with somebody else on my FBI Dragon Chronicles series who's not an LMBPN published author. There are authors that aren't LMBPN published authors? Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it, it I know, it's, it's so surprising. <laughs> how has it taken this long for you to become an LMBPN published author? This is actually my third attempt. Um, I tried two different sci-fi series in the Cathurian Gambit universe with Michael, and they just weren't uh, working out. Early on, we figured out that it just, it, it wasn't my wheelhouse, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But urban fantasy is where I've done my best in all of my own publications. So um, when I had an idea for something that was different than what I'd already done, I went to Michael with it back in 2018. And uh, it was fall of 2018, actually. And I said, hey, Mike, I've got this idea. What do you think about this? And the Academy series was huge back then. It was right when it was starting to really come together and all these great books were coming out. And he was like, yeah, I like it. Let's talk. And so in October, we had a nice long conference call and we hashed out some ideas and went back and forth on it for a little while. And um, it's just taken this long, gosh, like over a year and a half to get all three books done and edited and everything gelled. And all along this time, I've also been doing my own books um, on the side as well and started a whole new pen name and new genre. So it's just, uh, the last year and a half has just been crazy. And I think you moved somewhere during that period as well, and you were in yeah. Europe for a while yes. as well. Yeah, so yes, yes your life yeah. is... You, I'm exhausted in, in following you and trying to figure out what you're doing in your life. So the new <laughs> book, the title is Chronicles of the Fae Princess. So give us a little bit of a... You've talked a little bit about the history of behind your collaboration with Michael, but I think a lot of people who listen to this show might just think that, well, the authors come up with an idea for a story and they start writing, and then three months later it's done, or six months later, you know, depending on writing speed and things like that. That was not the case with this story. Correct. I started out writing, um, I think I wrote the first seven chapters and I send it to Michael, who sent it on to his beta readers. And they weren't all that excited by it. So I made some changes. They still weren't very excited about it. And so then Michael and I talked some more. And um, we made some major changes at that point. Started completely from scratch. And... Um, I mean, the concept of the story has always been the same. It's just how it was written changed. Um, and we presented it in a little bit different way. And then, um, I don't want to give away too much here, but uh, it starts out 
with a um, kind of like a time warp. We're 16 years ago, and Mia's mom. We see what happens to her in the pro uh, in the first opening chapter, and then um, then we go on to uh, some scenes at an academy with some students who uh, become Mia's best friends eventually. Um, and so we see a little bit of academy life, and then we go to China where we meet Mia for the first time. So we don't even meet Mia until, I think it's the fifth chapter where we meet her. And it opens up in a Chinese night market with her and her human friend. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun experience based on some of my travels. A lot of what I write is based on things I've done in my past or things I want to do. So I have been to Taiwan and I went to a night market in Taiwan and this Shanghai night market was based on my experience in, uh, in Taiwan actually. So there's some fun stuff in there and I always include food. So, you know, fried scorpions on a stick, what can I say? <laughs> and did you eat scorpions on a stick when you were in Taiwan? No, I did not bother trying that. I tried some very interesting things that I will not do again, but that's one of the things. I have traveled all over the world um, for various reasons, some of it business and some of it personal reasons, and I always have to try local cuisine. And in Taiwan, I had I had a lobster that wasn't quite dead yet, and it snapped its claws at me oh. when I put my fork in to get some of its tail. And yeah, <laughs> I, I just I've had some really interesting experiences, and so food is always something that you'll find in my books, especially if I'm traveling. If if my characters are traveling somewhere else in the world. Uh, you'll see some interesting food concepts. So I mean, you talk about food and you talk about travel. What's, what's the greater love for you, travel or food? Travel, most definitely. I would be the first person to sign up for a trip to outer space no matter where <laughs> it went. I just, I love to travel. And you'd mentioned earlier that this last year I spent some time in Europe and I had two different trips to Scotland this last year. And, um, I was hoping to go in March to London, but with the whole COVID-19, my trip got canceled. So um, I missed out on that trip and some other trips as well. I generally travel two or three times a year. So it's one of those things I just love to do. I love meeting new people, experiencing new cultures and learning all kinds of new things, which usually end up in my book somehow. In fact, in Chronicles of the Fae Princess, you will see some of my experience in Scotland. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. All right, so you mentioned three books, but we're releasing one book. So explain that to, to listeners. Yes, so Chronicles of the Fae Princess is actually a trilogy that's been packaged into one giant book. And um, it's a continuing story. And so Michael and I were talking about that. And he's already done this a few times with other books. And even though we could break it out into three individual books, there would be some cliffhangers, but nothing major. Um, each book within the trilogy 
does have some sort of a story that completes, but there's also a story that goes over into the next book. Because um, you don't get the whole and complete adventure until you finish all three books. Um, and even then, if it's popular enough, we could move the kids on to uh, college because they're in high school in this series right here. But they do graduate in this book, in case you're wondering. So this is, it's, it's, it's almost 200,000 words for this edition, which again, Chronicles of the Fae Princess, subtitled The Halfling Academy, Complete Trilogy. The Halfling Fae Academy, yes. Uh, yes, Halfling yes. Fae Academy, thank you. Yeah, because right. my, my main characters are half human, half fae. So they have one fae parent and one human parent. But uh, in, this, in this world, the fae heritage is always passed on to um, to the offspring, even if they do have one human parent. So uh, they have powers, not quite as strong as a full fae uh, person would have, but still um, quite a few, quite a few powers. And uh, and Mia, our main character, uh, of course, has extra special gifts. Now, I believe for a book of this length. I believe that you and Michael set a personal record for this book. Do you know what that record is? Uh, would that be zero cuss words? It would be the fewest number of cuss words, which is zero. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how did yeah, you? Yeah. How were you able to pull that off? How were you able to convince Michael that his readers would even be willing to read a book without swear words? <laughs> um well you know michael's pretty easygoing and um he he was like really no cuss words really Are you sure not even something small and i was like no i don't cuss um and i don't put my name on anything that has cuss words in it um and nothing beyond the bedroom door either in any of my books um and so, uh, so he was like, okay, well, let's give it a try. What, what the heck? Why not? And so it, it worked out. We created some of our own expletives. Um, so crickets uh, is, um, is an expletive because the Fae have extra sensitive hearing. And mm -hmm. if you've ever listened to crickets on a hot summer night, you will know they are so stinking annoying when you get a whole swarm of them together. And so to have fae creatures with sensitive hearing, crickets are, are an expletive in themselves. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that <clears> fun, <throat> creating your own expletives? Yes, actually, it is. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've done that in multiple series of mine because none of my books have cuss words in them. But um, I have a Christmas series where I'm like, oh, jingle bells. <laughs> So. Right, I want to talk about the Christmas series because okay. I uh, that's baffling to me that the the whole idea of a Christmas series when you when I first knew that you'd written a Christmas book I thought it was you know just a Christmas book but the whole idea of a Christmas series what what was the thinking behind that and how has that worked <laughs> for you It is actually one of my more popular series um Santa Claus is an arctic wolf shifter and the mantle of Santa is always passed down from father to son. 
this particular Santa didn't have any boys. Instead, he had four girls. And so the first book, it's a four book series. Um, and I just completed it this last Christmas. I did one each Christmas. So it's a clean paranormal romance. Um, and it's all about Santa Claus and his wolf shifting pack and how, for the first book, it's how the mantle passes from one Santa to the next. And then after that, it's about each of his daughters and how they get there happily ever after and how their relationships affect the pack because Santa's pack is huge. It has to be in order to handle delivering presents to the entire world's children. And, um, but there's also a lot of animosity uh, from other packs. There are Arctic wolf shifters, which are all over the world. And um, uh, there are some issues with different packs around the world being very unhappy that Santa has been in North America for so long. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. And it's, it's more than just Arctic wolf shifters. There are um, other species that get involved. Um, and, and there's even some dragon shifters I have a thing for dragons in case no one's figured that one out yet. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so is this something that sells well around the year or are your sales primarily clustered in November, December? Um, I have a lot of sales in November, December and early January. Uh, but oddly enough, I do sell um, books throughout the year in this series. Not a lot, though. Um, but in the last two months, I've been surprised with everybody staying at home and Hallmark having done um, this special Christmas promo at the beginning of the lockdown. Um, quite a few people were in the mood for Christmas, which I thought was really cool. So I sold some books. In fact, yesterday I sold... I don't know. I sold a bunch of books in the series yesterday. I don't know what it's done today, but I'm always getting page reads in the series because it's in Kindle Unlimited. So um, I make money off of it every day right now. Interesting. So you talk about making money from your books every day and you have a lot of books. So you, you've written in, in some different genres. One of the ways, well, the way I first came to know you was not as an author, but as someone who as, is a marketing expert for books. And I think there are probably a lot of listeners who just assume that you write the book and you publish the book and then you stand back and you make money every day. That's, is that no. the case for you? <laughs> no, no, no. I spend more money and more time marketing my books than... I do writing some of them. Some of them I, I spend more time writing than I do marketing, but um, it, it's definitely marketing is probably for most authors half the battle right there because, you know, if you have this really great backlist and you just, you find readers who like you, they'll go on and they'll read books in your series. But like me, I write multiple genres. I have another pen name that writes clean cowboy romance. Um, not too many urban fantasy people are going to go over to that pen name and read clean Christian cowboy romance, you know, <laughs> and vice versa. Not too many of those fans will come over and read my urban fantasy. So, um, 
so yes, so I have to constantly promote my books. And if I'm not constantly promoting my books, I'm not constantly getting new readers and new fans mm -hmm. in to my backlist. So, so when you talk to new authors, do you find that most of them have an understanding of what the marketing component of the business is, or is that something that they learn very quickly if they want to succeed? Uh, yeah, most new authors don't understand it at first. Um, I've seen a lot of, I'm in the 20 books to 50K group on Facebook, and I'll see authors post in there, hey, I just launched my new book, but I've only sold four copies. Why isn't it selling? And then other people will ask, well, have you done, what ads have you done? And like ads, what do you mean ads? And so, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things that you have to get a handle on advertising and not all your advertising has to be paid either. Um, you can do multi-author promos that don't cost anything. You can do newsletter swaps if you have a newsletter or social media swaps if you have social media. Um, so, uh, just writing a book in itself isn't going to support you, I should say. Um, when I first discovered Michael's book, his first Gutherian Gambit, uh, Death Becomes Her, it was through an AMS ad on Amazon. Um, I had never heard of him. He had only put out, I think it was his third book was out, and I saw the book, and this was back in gosh, December of 2015, I think it was. Yeah, that was about and, the time the book came out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so I downloaded it, his first book, and read it, and just was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and just constantly going through it, and I immediately went to book two, and then I immediately went to book three, and then I think he just dropped book four by the time I finished book three, and so then when I got all caught up, I'm like, I found myself part of Michael's Pitchfork and Matches crew going, where's your next book? Where's your next book? Do you need any help? <laughs> and so I became you, a beta reader. You mentioned 20 books to 50K. And <clears throat> as, as people may know, that group, I think, recently went over 40,000 members. And you were one of the earliest members in that group. How did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, I was member number four, actually, because, um, like I said, I discovered him at Christmas, and I um, I guess maybe I was one of the original Pitchfork and Matches crew members, I don't know, but I reached out to him and uh, asked if he needed any help, because I was out of work at that point in time, and um, had time on my hands, and uh, I had done some uh, beta reading for, uh, not too many people know this, but I actually used to do Roswell fan fiction. And um, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, not, not too many people do. Uh, now I guess everybody's going to know. But um, I used to do beta reading for Roswell fan fiction, and I even wrote uh, a little bit with uh, some of those authors that I worked with back then. And... Um, so I reached out to Michael and uh, offered my services as a beta reader. And um, he's like, yeah, yeah, come on in. There's a couple other people here too. So come join us. So he set up this Facebook group and it was called Cuthurian Gambit. Um, and uh, the original, his original Facebook group was Cuthurian Gambit. I think, I think it may have been Cuthurian Gambit beta readers or something like that. 
but it eventually became the 20 books to 50 K group. He rebranded it, you know, as the Catherine Gambit group grew bigger and his whole thesis about 20 books, making you 50,000 in a year um, grew and became just, it just exploded. And he got all these authors to come in, but there was four of us in it. Well, technically there was five, but, the other guy never showed up after I joined. So um, I always forget about him. I don't even remember his name, but uh, the first four of us who were active participants have all gone on to publish and are still publishing. That's, that's a great story. So once again, we'll wrap up. The, the book is The Chronicles of the Fae Princess, the Halfling Fae Academy, a complete three book trilogy in one book. Um, by the time you see this, the book will be out. This was out on pre-order, so that guarantees that it's going to actually release on release day, which is amazing with some of the problems we've been having getting getting books released. Um, are people going to enjoy this book? I think so. I just read through it again recently and was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I love that scene. I created um, a, a new sport. It's a mesh-up of a couple of real sports that are available today and uh, I was watching I was reading one of those scenes and I was like man I wish that we could do something like this now because I would love to go see this actually take place <laughs> <laughs> very cool so what's the best place for people to find you online my website's probably good jlhendricksauthor.com or the same thing for Facebook um Either one of those places you can find me. And then from there, you can find my other places. I have a BookBub fan page and um, I have a Twitter account, Instagram account. Like I said, you got to market everywhere. So <laughs> every day, every in every way. Yep. Jail Hendricks, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on your first LMBPN book. And we wish you uh, all the best with it. Thank you very much, Steve. It was re really great talking to you.